All right. Uh, welcome, friends. It's Champa. We're back again Thursday, February 17th. And on today's episode, we're going ape mode. That's right. We're Hell yeah. The exciting new horizons of Web3. We're talking NFTs, blockchain. We're talking cryptocurrency. Uh, and to join uh, joining us to uh, explicate these very topics for us is journalist Mike Isaac. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. sorry, I'm going yeah. mode early. I'm sorry. Ooh, right. he's on his Web3 shit. <laughs> All right, so I, I guess we should uh, get into this like the simplest way possible. Mike, what is Web3? And how is it different from Web 2.0? This is like the, the, the latest iteration of what uh, the, the technology, the internet promises. How does Web 3 distinguish itself from like earlier iterations of sort of tech ideology? Yeah, I, I feel like it, as with many things in tech, kind of depends on who you ask and like what their different answer is. But like the smartest thing I heard was basically Web 3 was a rebranded version of crypto uh, and cryptocurrencies because everyone in DC hates the thought of cryptocurrencies because it always brings up the idea of like unregulated um, darknet markets and like money laundering and shit. So it's like basically just building stuff on blockchains to have a different version of the internet in the future instead of like you or me going to Facebook or um, or Google or something where we have like a central account on a database. Instead, we might use that in an account across the blockchain and everyone can see it and access it, but you own your own shit. It's very like the whole key is distributed system rather than a central system at some company. Okay. Well, actually, let me ask a more, even more basic question than this. What yeah. is the blockchain? Right. right, right, right. So it's like a, God, how do I even really say it? It's kind of like... The, the the most basic iteration of this, like years ago, maybe maybe 10, 12 years ago, this guy kind of invented the idea. Do you remember when everyone was talking about Satoshi? Who is Satoshi? To, who yeah, is Satoshi yeah. Nakahura or uh, <laughs> uh, Kobayashi, right? <laughs> Nakamoto, I think it was. Yes. Nakamoto. Nakamoto, yeah. Uh, and, they, and then Newsweek thought they found him and then it was just a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto that they chased down on the on the freeway. Um, yeah, it was really fucked up. Reddit found the real Nakamoto, but they had found Jokar Sarnayev. <laughs> <laughs> so that was this guy named who went by Satoshi Nakamoto uh, as his pen name, like wrote this white paper long ago, uh, like 10 or 12 years ago, basically saying, here's um, this new currency uh, called Bitcoin and, you know, like a way of sort of do basically doing money so that no one sort of central power can kind of hold it all. And, and so like maybe there's too much power in, let's say, the Fed who uh, or which sort of like determines interest rates and, and like has a bunch of like basically decentralizing con- concentration of power. And so blockchain tech, I'm sorry, I hate even, I'm starting to hate myself as I describe this, but blockchain tech basically. You got to do it. This is why yeah, you're here. I, I know. <laughs> we're all going to hate you too at the end of it. Questioning my life choices I, that led me. I'm going to understand what the goddamn blockchain is at the end of this episode. I don't, I don't care if I have to hate you to do it. So. Yeah. Sorry, continue. The idea is like a distributed ledger. You hear the word ledger a lot of, of all the transactions that occur on this 
uh, tech. So if I um, move Bitcoin around from one account to the other, um, everyone else who is looking at the blockchain can see it. And um, so, you know, and it like sort of is stored on each of these computers. That's why you get into like, it's really bad for the environment or like it's it's each sort of transaction takes a fuckload of computing power or whatever. And so, uh, and each block, there are multiple different types of blockchains. There's Ethereum blockchain, there's Bitcoin. So like, it's sort of a, I guess the simplest way of thinking about it is the distributed computing system that everyone has insight and access to uh, at all times, but it's. I, I really don't want to sound glib here, but like that description <laughs> just sounds like the internet to me. <laughs> yeah, that's not. You're not entirely wrong, honestly. Like, I think the difference would be, let's say, like if you're using Instagram, that's the, let's say that's all stored on AW Amazon Web Services on a server somewhere, right? And like, if it's going down, like there's a central point of failure that if the fucking AWS building like has its power go out or like a car drives into it or something like that's a, that's a problem. And you might not be able to use Instagram all day. Whereas in blockchain land that uh, since it's a distributed thing, like there's no one central point of failure necessarily, I think. So they would argue that's good. That's, you know, we can all sort of do it and have access to it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean like back to like the sort of the, the, the driving ideology behind the blockchain and its proponents, like it, it does seem to be very much based in this idea of like, uh, like the de- decentralized networks and this kind of sort of pseudo libertarian idea yep. of kind of like, like, like a broad distribution of like the choke points of like, you know, the currency, uh, knowledge, yep. information, things like that. Totally. But like, I was just like, you know, you, you wrote the, literally wrote the book on Uber and like, in like, like earlier cycles of kind of like, um, like tech ideology. Like it's not just like a business that makes billions of dollars, but there's like, there's an ethos to it as well. And like with Uber, it was disruption. It's this idea that like, you know, we're going to innovate in these spaces of like providing services that are like these moribund dinosaurs or whatever. And we're going to provide better, better service to people for like less money. And like, the, you know, we're making the world a better place. Like yeah. how would you compare the ideology of disruption to the proponents of like sort of blockchain, crypto, web three, like technology, techno ideology? So I, I think they all exist on a similar spectrum. You know, Travis Kalanick, the former CEO of Uber, had um, uh, the fountain, the book, the cover image of the fountainhead as his Twitter avatar for a very long time. Right. And like that was sort of that said something about what he stood for. And and I think that's totally not now it's like a trope. It's not uncommon in Silicon Valley for for the guys. And it's a lot of guys to be like. You know, we espouse libertarian values. We think that less smaller government is, is better. And, and uh, you know, or at least to some degree, they, they think that. But there are a lot of contradictions in it. But I think if if the maybe a good way of thinking about it is like if Uber, if, if Web 2.0 was about like disrupting um, how people access the Internet or how people sort of access different companies or different services before by adding like a layer of consumer internet to it. Web 3.0. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, every time I say that, I want to fucking just punch myself. Uh, <laughs> Web 3.0 is like this idea of taking, it, it's sort of like a specious idea though. They're saying we're taking power back. We're providing power to individuals. We're like sort of, uh, since it's a distributed system, there's not going to be any Facebooks and Googles of the world. You know, it's going to be all these different things, but you see like 
Andreessen Horowitz, one of the most powerful venture capital firms in Silicon Valley, plunging like literal hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into this next wave of startups. And it feels like a sort of contradiction in terms, you know, like maybe they want to corner that market already. Yeah. The uh, the thing with Web.0 or Web2, you know, if you want to break it down into its most bare bones, what is this? It's using, you know, using everyone's desire to be a celebrity to get everyone's information, get all the consumer habits, get their data profile so you can package it and sell it. And that seemed like, oh, okay, this is in declining age of declining profits. This is the last thing that we can package and sell. But no, there is one layer lower (laughs) and that's Web3 and Web3. Like, I feel like with all the shit that I've seen now and shit that you're specifically talking about, I feel like meta and nfts it's all like we're in the 1970s we're all seeing the worst version of something that will eventually they'll eventually figure it out because the thing with web point web three that i immediately like i now think is kind of smart if awful and will like ruin things further (laughs) is that it you're going to be getting license fees for things that should never have license fees. Like that's technologically impossible now because like it takes, it would take the blockchain so fucking long, but in the future, you know, like, um, a conglomerate, a conglomerate, uh, they have a subsidiary that like owns, they buy and sell gift rights in the way that you would with musicians masters and so when you use use or see like the drake clapping gif you pay the equivalent of like (laughs) 0.02 cents to eth (laughs) to some asshole not to drake Drake. you know drake's not seeing that money (laughs) well that that's the richest man in the world is the man the most gifable man who owns his masters (laughs) Well, well that's they they're huge on like ownership to like all of this is really i mean this is why it's probably a perfect topic for you guys to look at because it's they they really focus on you own this and like no one else can own it without sort of like paying you for it and they and it's all focused on like transactions around what your image is or what whatever and it's very it's just super dark in the in the way you kind of view the world for a lot of people, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's this this idea of ownership. Like, you know, you own this gift, you own this this piece of art, even if it is just a JPEG. And like, you know, theoretically, uh, one of the like original utopian ideas about the internet is that like the the ease at which you could duplicate information and spread it like for free totally. would you know like li- liberate humanity, would spread you know knowledge and learning and uh, important information. But now it's like. Uh, everyone can buy buy a piece of that information and then just sort of squat and like lease it out. Unlike buying a painting, where like you buy the painting and then like I don't know, you can like have it be displayed in a museum or charging people to come see the painting. But like this would be the equivalent of like you're you're charging rent for anyone who's thinking about the Mona Lisa. Yeah, or wants to like that's that's why I totally agree. I feel like that's why a lot of internet idealism like to your point the early versions of the internet the the like stewart brands of the world or the tim berners lees of the world or people who are like really like we need to make information free and like you know this is a good thing democratizing blah 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 you know it's it just feels like the money that has come in has really perverted a lot of that but it's still dressed up in these sort of uh, the idealism of what the internet was supposed to be. Right. And like, there are people who I think 
the, the, the current class of people that are doing the Web3 stuff are there's a mix of people who actually do believe this is transformational. There's people who are total hucksters and are making boatloads of money, even though what they're doing is bullshit, you know, doing like literally a George Floyd NFT or something, you know, making money off of the, the backs of all these other folks. And then there are folks who just see this FOMO and like, leaving Facebook to get into the latest blockchain thing because there's there there is so much money flowing into the space. It's super really it's it's dark. What is um I you're the only person I could really ask this question. Oh, uh, thank you. What 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 is the fascination with like web3 people in general, but more mm. specifically like crypto people with um with meta. Like what are what are they seeing that you know it looks idiotic to us and yeah it looks like what all technology in the 70s was to people even 10 years later yeah what what do they see there is it just that it's like oh this is like shitty transhumanism and eventually well the real version do, when, when you say meta you mean their pursuit of the metaverse sort of thing yeah, that idea? yeah. the metaverse shit is wild to me of, of like how fast it came on like do you guys i mean i think i mean for me it makes sense because like what we're seeing here is capitalism finding another frontier that it, it requires, right? Capitalism cannot function without a frontier of accumulation. Mm. There is none in the terrestrial world anymore. So this is the last frontier. And it we and for that to work, you have to transfer real social value from the real world to the cyber realm. Like the, the logic of an NFT is that owning this thing digitally has the same emotional connection to, that I have to things I own IRL. And as soon as you make that transfer, as soon as people are actually uh, operating a circulating economy in digital currency, in a digital world, then you are uh, creating the social conditions where everything that libertarians of the uh, technologically inclined ilk have been horrified of, of coming comes to pass. You don't want to eat the pugs. You don't want to live in the pod. The, uh, Web 3.0 leads directly to a world where you live in a fucking dog kennel and you have an <laughs> Oculus strapped to your face and you live and work and you do a real job. And even in there, you think that you're like the alpha, uh, like post left, uh, you know, smart guy who avoided <laughs> the trap of a uh, global homo and you're literally living that world. But it's OK because you've transferred everything, including your uh, like your emotional connection to objects into this uh, cyber realm that you'll have to immersively engage with. It can't be a screen. That's where Meta comes in. And that's why Meta is a necessary component of this. Everything you just said is what Mark Zuckerberg would say, but good. Like, exactly. with a positive spin on it, right? right. Like, that's not as a bad thing. That's how, that's how politics and uh, is impossible in, like, inside the framework of capitalism because if you're like these guys and you are horrified by what's coming by what capitalism is giving us but you can only see like it's janus face of like multiculturalism and and woke capital and all that and and that's its face to you like the only alternative because collectivism is out of the picture is every man for himself every man grasping at technology and then the better man the smarter man winning the darwinian struggle and i'm going to be that of course <laughs> And so then your attempt, your depoliticized sort of, you know, uh, basic setting American libertarian response is to grasp these level, these uh, weapons of technology. And by doing that, forging your own fucking chains. Hmm. Well, I mean, as long as we're talking about uh, 
about Zuckerberg and Meta, Mike, I mean, you, you've, you've recently written about, like, could you just provide some context for, for which, like, the Facebook is now, they're Meta. They're yeah. launching the Metaverse. And it was so successful that they lost $230 billion <laughs> of market valuation in one it's day. Like, but to me, it's like, obviously, this is just Uber on an accelerated scale. <laughs> like, you're lost leading forever because you're not really making a product that anyone wants to buy or that uh, has a like a business model that works at its heart. This is building capacity for what comes later. Right. Like the way that Uber destroyed uh, uh, like uh, labor uh, regulations at the municipal level and broke like broke us through to another level of uh, of uh, like labor exploitation. This is going to bust us through to another uh, level that way. Like, but what I mean is like, uh, for like Mike, like for a company like Facebook slash meta, what like for a company like them, for them to lose 23% of their stock value in one day because of how shitty the metaverse looks, is that really like a disaster for them? Is it, does that, is it like for Mark Zuckerberg, is that truly the end goal here? I mean, like, are, are, are they, are they like jumping out of windows at Facebook headquarters? Like it doesn't <laughs> seem that way. It, so I think a few things, I think, I think one Mark Zuckerberg really does want this metaverse to happen and actually believes to. in it. Yeah, like he absolutely. The Silicon Valley economic engine does not work if this doesn't work. Yeah. So that means that essentially means it will work. Yeah. Because well, the government will do yeah. whatever it takes to make sure it works. They're the finger on the scale. They're picking the winners like they always do. And this is the only hand we have economically as a system. There's nowhere else for us to go. All other paths have been uh, burned. We cannot reindustrialize with our current uh, political structure. So that means we will just he- just run headlong into the fucking uh, into the pods to to live. And we can imagine, you know, we're still fighting all the old culture battles, and we're still free yeah. because we're able to express ourselves there online. And there is still a chance that you can make enough money that you don't have to do a crappy job with the, you know, in the goggles, you don't have to be a widget sorter or, or an email sender. You can be a philosopher King, but you're still doing it in the fucking goggles. Right. <laughs> uh, no. And, and like that, that is the sort of self propelling nature of this too, is also really fascinating to me. Like just in the beginning, we were talking about how it came on so fast. Like I get emails daily now about, you know, here's the 10 best metaverse stocks that are to, to pick or whatever, like just sort of a thing that didn't exist now is, is, is an inevitability. Right. And I think we, I think in tech, they kind of always talk in terms of inevitability, you know, Uber, when Uber came on, it was like, this is the way labor workers rights or lack thereof is going, whether you like it or not, we're dragging you into <laughs> this version of the future. And Eventually, like the folks that I would talk to, they, they'd say when this is legalized, not if we win this battle or not, um, this is what it's going to look like. And I, I agree with you, Matt, but that's like they sort of create this own their own momentum around it and sort of push us forward. I think the I think Zuckerberg wants this to happen and believes in it. Read Snow Crash and, um, and like literally read Snow Crash. Yeah. Neil no, they, the, they have the literature memorized. The whole canon. But like read it it's sort of like the most surface level version of what reading is i think on a lot of this you know just oh, sort yeah. of like not really they would argue well, these that these guys are all bimbos is the right. thing like <laughs> Bim- they really bimbos. are decapitated by their stem knowledge like <laughs> like their stem ability created this like firewall between their like ba- the basic like uh 
the basic self doubt that you need to propel you through like actually knowing anything yep. like that, that engine of like, well, maybe I don't know everything that's going to push you into like, you know, s- s- interrogating your beliefs, but they're so convinced by their material success that they know everything that they are like Dunning Kruger proofed. <laughs> and since everyone around them is either in the same lobotomized condition or directly benefits from them are, is like gathering around like uh, the fucking uh, fish that like eat between shark teeth. And so they never will. And they never can intersect with reality, especially since the fed at this point exists to keep them afloat. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, how a uh, kid thinks they're, fl- they're driving, they're, they're riding their bike, but their dad is like still holding on to the seat. In, yeah. In the same way that like Protestantism is, the the sort of side toxicity of American slash Ulster Protestantism is the the thing that no one thinks about is the inherent problem that comes with being a human living in the human world, but thinking you've you know all the answers. Exactly. There's no further investigation to, to go to go. I have a you, personal relationship yeah. with God. I.e., that's me. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever he. Th- I'm thinking. That's him. Yeah. It's and they're, 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 third yeah. Point, from a third yeah. perspective, uh, uh, admiring me. Basically, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, right. And there are problems with like yeah, any religion, obviously, but with like most forms of, I mean, actually, this is true for the single, you know, most reactionary forms of Islam. You'll see in like Saudi Arabia, but uh, Judaism, Catholicism, but a billion other things. The thing isn't like oh, we've figured it out. Yeah, it's varying degrees of we know very little, but this one thing. But this, mm-hmm. what you just described, like the blinders that come from having figured out this one linear progression track it is it's a uh, protestantism without any pretense of god so it's exactly like because it's, thing. it's the uh chronological uh accumulation of protestantism protestantism is the beginning of like uh, to articulating a fracture from the social church like in creating a new way to understand the universe outside of the context of like a socially reinforced church hierarchy which is no longer viable in that early modern era uh, and it starts with oh god is real uh, but I have, it's like, I have a personal relationship with him. And then I get to spend all day, like working out these fucking math problems to uh, reconcile myself to God because I can't feel a connection to God. I have to keep doing algebra to get back to uh, God existing uh, separate from me, you know, and, and then subverting my will to him, right? Like being a good person. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, transforms into American uh, Protestantism, but as time goes on, the, the technology that we're using to accelerate capitalism is also accelerating scientific knowledge. And people mm. who pride themselves on uh, faith through rationality, which is the premise of the, pre- of the Reformation, is that human reason can get you to belief, then eventually you don't need God. You have your mastery of nature to stand in for God, and heaven on earth could be possible. And as soon as technology accumulates far enough— you can even imagine an eternity. You can even get rid of the idea of ever having to reconcile yourself to uh, mortality. And that's where the, the very tip of the spear of these guys are. Guys like Musk and Teal, these guys legitimately do not think they will die. Like, mm. that's not an exaggeration. And that is just Protestant heaven that they can believe in because they're not de- depending on God's grace, which, what's that? It's abstract. It's not real. But they can have faith in their understanding of technology, their ability to ride the wave. And they can believe in that because believing in yourself is that final existential uh, uh, faith belief that we all need just to live. It's the end state before your uh, brain essentially destroys itself because you can't live that way. You can't live among people that way. 
And if everybody is living that way, you create, you have to alienate all of your actual uh, agency to this algorithm that wants to strip the flesh off of your fucking bones. <laughs> and you end up helping it do that because somebody else's flesh is always going to get floor, uh, torn more than you and you fear becoming them. And if it's going to get torn less, you uh, envy them and want to become them. <laughs> and so, uh, you'll, so you'll never stop. No one will ever stop stop this, even though they all think they are like all these Web 3.0 guys who think that they're defeating the beast. They're defeating central banking. They're defeating all these state structures that cause oppression when it's like, no, that is just the uh, the machine parts, the carapace of this algorithm. The real spirit of the fucking thing uh, cannot be captured by any of your formal politics and certainly not by trying to outsmart technology by utilizing it because it only serves its own agenda. It only serves your agenda individually and accidentally. And similar to its uh, predecessors in political Salafism and Wahhabism and uh, Protestantism, it is sold to you as being decentralized. You don't like this big centralized church coming down on you. You don't want to deal with this bureaucracy. It's in everyone's hands. Your relationship with God is in your hands. And then it ends up being, you know, as oppressive, but in a shitty new way. That's right. Right, Because what do you want? Like, okay. Congratulations. Uh, you get to pursue your own life on your own terms and do what you want. Oh, what do you want? What we tell you to fucking want, like through a filter of experience, but like your, your social goals, the things that make up your like being like tell you the things you should be pursuing, like, you know, the, the things that draw you in one direction or another that, that like direct your animal spirits through your life are not made up in your head. You didn't come up with them through some like uh, examination of like a, a a totally like untouched central identity node spirit or something. You're just a confluence of social influences. And th- so what you want is at the end of the day, freedom through consumption, because that's all it can offer you. And you will flee towards that and build structures to uh, reify that all the time thinking you're doing what's best for everybody. You're you, you're in your mind. You're even thinking you're doing things like democracy. And you think that you're uh, adhering to notions of individual freedom and and, uh, and autonomy, but all you are actively doing with your time on Earth is furthering the the creation of this fucking uh, self-loading guillotine that we're all in the middle of. Uh, just to return just for a second to um, like how how the our STEM overlords uh, metabolize like literature and human culture for their <laughs> own purposes. Like mm-hmm. you talked about how Zuckerberg, you know, all these guys read Snow Crash and they're like, hey, like that sounds great. I can't wait to live in Snow Crash. But um, uh, Mike, in your reporting, I, I, I learned that like, you know, like the all these companies have their like like corny little mottos and like uh, self-identities that are like, you know, be good. You know, it it. it uh, innovation leads to innovation. Move fast and break things. Uh, I didn't know that um, Palantir, Peter Thiel's company, uh, uh, their their corporate slogan that they wear on T-shirts uh, re- says "Save the Shire," <laughs> like the, the like a Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings thing, and like the, the the name Palantir also comes from Tolkien. But yeah, like they they they're they're saving the Shire, and like who is that? Like Peter Thiel lackey who's like running for Congress or Senate from Arizona. Oh, Blake, like Blake Masters. Edwards. 
Blake, yeah, Blake, Blake, Master. Blake Edwards. Blake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy. He was driving the other day and saw um, a truck driver and just fanned out, like rolled yeah, over yeah. on his back. You know, he, yeah, he like, yeah. the Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. saw. He saw. He saw. I saw like a like a lumber truck, and he was just like, uh, like like the guy driving that truck is a conservative. There's no way a progressive would be driving a lumber truck, and I love that. It was just like, yeah. Uh, the guy sucking my dick through this hole in a bathroom, definitely a conservative. Can you imagine a progressive doing this? I think not. Mm. Tom of Finland least. only. Tom of Finland only drew conservatives. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you know, like, but but it, but in 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 Blake Edwards, in the in the Blake Masters, like if you watch his campaign ads, there is this kind of like like I, I he doesn't say it explicitly, but this like save the Shire mentality is that like uh, Peter Thiel like either either they believe themselves in, in, in their in their own hearts and minds or that they're they're selling this image that like what what they are doing is preserving like the the small you know hardy folk ways of like normal americans lives no i think i mean i think that's right i think they it's funny to me again this goes back to like the reading list of folks who and and i think they carry a lot of baggage from you know like high school and like things that were where they were just essentially sort of bullied or whatever and then sort of now get to take a you know dominant stance in the culture at least shaping culture or whatever whatever it looks like um but i think they just go to these sort of almost like texts that they that they think are sacred again that are not like maybe part of a full liberal arts education but are the closest thing to like what they got there and use that as the pretext for what they're they're doing and and that's why i go back to like it's funny because i a lot of the time folks are like all right this is you know um they describe like malice that i think is there for some but like unintentionally there like i think they actually do believe a lot of believe in a lot of what they're doing even if they don't know exactly what that means does that make sense yeah i think they all they all secretly know where this is going and they're all excited Mm. i mean one super bowl commercial that we forgot to talk about last episode it was kind of blues i can't believe we forgot about it was the one for no we talked about that one okay Uh, uh the fucking metaverse one with the uh with the chuck e cheese band like this is they're, they're, this is them after the giant quarter of loss, right? They lost billions and billions of dollars, the biggest drop ever. Oh, we are introducing this product on what used to be like the most sacred commercial real estate in the world, yep. and still is, you know, like whatever vestigial power it has is still there. Is Super Bowl, and what did they decide to go with? They show this animatronic band at like a Chuck E. Cheese, having a good time, playing music. All the kids love them, and then the store shuts down, and the place is abandoned, and then all the uh animals get uh, sold to separate buyers and one of them gets smashed into a goddamn track car crusher. Uh, And they end up all like in sterile environments where they can't move. where like, they're dead. Their batteries aren't being used. They're basically being used as like fucking uh, statues. They're, they're living zombies who are just like propped up in uh, like museum lobbies and, and, and places. And, then they all get the metaverse goggles. And then, then in the metaverse, they get to play again as a band in the virtual <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that is, that's this their is... promise to you. <laughs> is that your, your hopes for this world will die. 
you will see any hope you had of living an actualized life in like 3D space obliterated. You will have your autonomy as a human stripped from you, but it'll be okay <laughs> because you'll be able to simulate it in the metaverse where you can attach as much emotional uh, investment to these pseudo things you know aren't real to your actual life, which is totally constrained, which is completely without freedom. I would, I would, in my metaverse, I would love to have the meta Chuck E. Cheese band playing as my meta Titanic full of only the actor John Candy um, sinks <laughs> yes, into the North Atlantic. I mean, just you waterboard John Candy for eternity. <laughs> and it's the no, Chuck E. Cheese band playing as the meta Titanic sicko the drain. on yeah. a John Candy pr- reserve. Like, get. I want the minigun that fucking Jesse Ventura had in Predator. And I want to go to like a Coachella of John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, 2,000 rounds no, a second. Oh just, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right we, let, let's move on before, before this episode devolves into the insanity of our John Candy episode. No, but just, but, just to say, that was their idea to pitch yeah that was that that satire that was that was their own pitch to you that's how confident they are that no matter what this is gonna happen and they're essentially they're not selling you on it they're trying to get you ready for it yep and you know that they after it that they had the foo fighters perform in the metaverse Mm -hmm. on vr which also broke down and didn't seem to work but (laughs) I hope Dave Grohl got paid, I guess. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, my God. But no, Matt, Matt I think, I think Steven Spielberg make only a few years ago. <laughs> Ready Steven Player Spielberg, One. Remember, like this guy is the is the uh, the the arch priest of like the, the the satanic religion of like American capitalism. Right. Like he is like a fucking shaman of the modern world. And what movie did he put out to the absolute bafflement of everybody like uh, five years ago? Ready Player right. One. Yeah. Another thing where it's like, this is this is not like, oh, we could be like this. Like, no, you are going to live this way. You watching this. Get ready for it. You have nothing. You cannot stop it. You can only whine about it, rebel against it, uh, get suicidally depressed over it. Or you can try to get on the winning team. Well, I mean, Matt, to your, to your point, like what you said, like the, the old model of advertising is like, uh, drink this beer, you'll be cool and sexually attractive. Like they're selling you a product, enticing you to buy a product. Whereas like, Mike, what you just said, like the, the speed at which like the metaverse is now just a thing yep. and everyone seemingly accepts it. And like to Matt, your point about the Super Bowl ad and then all the celebrities pitching crypto, it's this idea that like, um, oh, it's already here and everyone's already doing it. Yeah, like like we need we need your part. It's it's just like yeah, just getting like just um like not even like getting you used to the idea, just sort of presenting it like it's a like it's already happened. We're already like all the, hey, all the celebrities are already getting into crypto. Like why aren't you like dummy? Come like come on, come on. Did you see Paris you're hurting, last night? You're getting people <laughs> yep. into the stadium. Like they've already bought a ticket. They just maybe they don't know what door they're supposed to go through. Well, this is the door, idiot. Well. Well, let's talk about like a like a like a like another like real world application of what we're talking about here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the um, this BuzzFeed article by Katie Natopoulos that came out that, according to sort of like uh, ape and NFT heads out there, um, doxed the creators of the Board Ape Yacht Club. And this is very strange because like the Board Ape Yacht Club, it's like it's it's like a, a company that's valued at like a billion dollars, and that they are. 
like soliciting venture capital funds for, but there is still this expectation of the people reaping the like, the money and seeking investment should remain completely anonymous, and that like to to cover it like you do any other business is to is to dox them or to um, violate their privacy in some way. Well, what's what's your take on like on on the board apes yacht club um, doxing in quotation marks? Yeah, I thought that was totally ridiculous. I mean, I, a Katie. Uh, uh, used all public information that literally all this shit was sitting out there that no one um, put the dots together. And then she basically went to them. My understanding is she went to them and was like, yo, I figured out that you guys are actually an MFA grad and uh, a guy in Florida or something like literally just sort of two guys. And they were like, that is correct. And then they put, they put the article out felt I, and then like, they sort of like, fucking uh self-flagellated on twitter and said oh this is you know they're destroying my privacy and my anonymity and stuff like that. and then they then they went on camera with this journalist who it was just super uh ugh, god i don't know super very like they have harmed us in a way that i just don't think is fair at all well, mike, especially to people who are docs you know mike did you see the interview with the board ape ceo that was going around this morning oh, it god. was bizarre because i mean like chris will edit in the the audio of it up and i got the phone call saying that um they were going to release their identities i asked for time so that we could tell their families so that we could make sure that they were safe i was told i had 30 minutes but like essentially like like it's it's not the creators of the board apes it's not the ape preneurs or, or the artists it's not the artists themselves it's it's the uh it's the it's CEO. not dr zayas <laughs> yeah. it's not any of the other lawgivers yeah, yeah, it's dr zayas got his mba at booth in chicago <laughs> So, and like, like, I don't know, like, this is like Best Actress Academy Award winning because this woman is like choked up and she's like, they called us and they said we had 30 minutes. And I just said, I, I would just, I need to tell their families. It's like Katie Natopoulos announced that like their, their stay of execution was not going to be granted by the governor. And she's like, well, just she's she pulls the, the fail, switch. Right? Like, like yeah. this isn't fair. Because this is web, this is all about turning cyberspace into uh, the real territory of our lives. <laughs> Bringing in our IRL identities, our meat space uh, identities, is cheating. You're breaking kayfabe. Stop it. Yeah. Oh, Banksy is just like some guy from uh, you know whatever, like Leeds or I have no idea who he is. But like, like it's not. He's not like this crazy. I totally agree. I think that like, and part of it has been the mystique around oh, we don't know who these guys are and like we're buying a piece of this thing. And I, so I do think it brings it down a little bit. But I, I also think it's like gotten to the sort of tipping point that everyone sort of has the FOMO around it that you need to get one, even though you don't really know why you need to get one, that it's, it's the train keeps on running, you know? I mean, here here's another like stunning example in, in recent news of like, like I said, the real world, like knock on effect of all of this utopian ideology. Uh, Mike, I assume you were familiar with the uh, rapper slash influencer Razzle Khan. Razzle Khan. I, I, I have seen a few of her videos. Yeah. Turkish Martha Stewart. Okay. <laughs> My question here is, you know, like we've, we've all seen her raps. We've all seen her, her Instagram videos and TikToks and things like that. Razzle Khan, the Versace better win. 
come real far, but don't know where I'm headed. Motherfucking crocodile of Wall Street. Silver on my fingers and boots on my feet. My question here is, how is it possible without, like, like if crypto didn't exist, how, like, would these two people have been responsible for what is, in effect, probably the largest theft in human history? <laughs> of $3.6 yeah. billion dollars in crypto, which is like 0.5% of all the, or, or more of, it, of all the crypto that exists, period. <laughs> Remember the good old days where you just needed, like, a ski mask and... Yeah, like a 45. No, I think the uh, I think it's funny how so we don't know if they were the thieves or if they got if they were just the completely inept money launderers in this entire scheme. But like, I do think that things like the things like crypto, I mean, it's it's literally you can see giant fucking mountains of bitcoins go out the window because someone left a. A, a wallet, uh, a wallet address on a public server or something like Someone that. Someone right? left an ape out in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, uh, just like uh, in, in the coverage of it, it's, it's um, that they were, I mean, like, it's unclear. With, I, don't, I don't think that they stole it, but they were the sure. recipients of all of the Bitcoin stolen in a 2016 hack yep. of the Hong Kong, Bit, the Hong Kong crypto exchange called Bitfinex. Um, and that, like, they were in their possession of like three point six billion dollars of this stolen Bitcoin that they were attempting to launder through, um, like, you know, basically uh, w- washing it through, like, converting it into gold, into NFTs, into Walmart gift cards, and according to the, <laughs> I didn't uh, the see that. Point, other ge- other goods that wouldn't give away the alleged source of their mysterious livelihood. But it was just like, you know, like it, it, in the meat space, you know, it like in in the good old days, like to be in the position where you would be in receipt of $3.6 billion in stolen money and then be put in charge of laundering those funds. Like how, how were, how were these two, the people that were like the point men for what, like I said, the biggest theft in human history. (laughs) I don't, I mean, that that's, I think that's why the story is so good. Cause you're going to like, also I can't think of another like real big criminal who left such an amazing digital footprint in yeah. any like just and on every level how all his tweets are out there all of her sort of like whatever you want to call it was out there and so if they if they weren't the ones um one theory actually that I did hear is like if there was a hacker who had this huge heist saw all this heat on him got this long before this was worth billions and it was more in the like thousands then swelling up to millions. Then now it's like billions, the FBI and everyone is on your tail. Maybe the hackers like, fuck this shit. I can't touch it because as soon as it goes out of the wallet, everyone's going to be following it. So maybe I need to give it to these people to launder and then somehow like sneak out the back door with it. But uh, how they found, if that's the case, how they found them, it's just, I mean the, the pro crypto argument or the, the argument you'll hear from someone at like Andreessen Horowitz is they would not have been able to catch these people as easily if we weren't able to track them through this sort of digital breadcrumb trail, which I don't know, I guess is not entirely is not like completely dismissible. But I think they also were very bad compared to some of the other ways that people tend to launder money out there because it happens very frequently. This is another um, did, shining did. example of how. This is going to suck, man. Like, they're trying to tell you it'll be fine, but the actual experience of it is going to suck. 
right now, yeah, these people just pulled off the biggest heist in history. In, in good old meat space, to pull off like a, a robbery of that kind, you had to have been like like a one eyed art theft thief called like the the snow leopard or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you fucking like live in a in a jade uh, yacht that like permanently cruised the Mediterranean, and you got like sixteen passports. <laughs> And now it's no, you need you need to have a whole team influencers these two, two dinguses <laughs> doing like right. fucking like TikToks where they're like uh, trying the new like soy rizo at Chipotle. Pathetic. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I was gonna say you you said who left a footprint like this and the last thief uh, thief who had such a big previous footprint per such an incredibly large uh, heist was this guy Lee Murray, who was an MMA fighter who was rumored to have knocked out Tito Ortiz, then a UFC champion in a street fight. Uh, And the way that you know it actually happened is Tito says, first of all, he didn't knock me out. Second of all, I only did badly because I was wearing dress shoes. (laughs) Um, But Lee Murray Murray was like, he's like a very Guy Ritchie figure, very dark fucked up crazy life had to stop fighting because he got stabbed so many times one of his lungs collapsed uh from blood loss and he pulled off this incredible heist on uh securitas in uh i think like 2005 and he got something like 53 million pounds which i think back then was the 100 110 million dollars but that is that is not even five percent yeah of you know i think these people are patsies i think they're dupes i think yeah. like someone was like hey hold on to these wallets for us <laughs> yeah yeah like they don't no, i love like, your raps yeah. yeah take this for me yeah but there's no lee murray's in the story <laughs> there's just there's some guys who are great at computers and these dopes i would watch a movie on lee murray i feel like try oh, thinking about how no no, I mean that's everyone would, but oh, yeah. people keep buying the rights, and the movie never gets fucking made. Oh, that sucks. I want I want to write the Murray movie. <laughs> it's never going to get fucking made. <laughs> that sucks. Well, this fucking yeah. this thing is about to get made. Someone optioned the the Razzlecon memoir uh, like three days oh, after. Brother, oh, we gotta boy. watch like <laughs> terrible fake versions of these assholes do the boring shit that we've already got to see God, them do for sucks. free on our fucking Twitter accounts. Oh, fantastic. Are you ready for <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence? That one on, uh, yeah. on Home Depot Net. <laughs> New tube site of your favorite <laughs> home improvement chain. $15 a month. No, you're mad. Like, like I, I would watch a movie about a $3.6 billion heist that involved like a team of guys. Like yeah. 11 that were assembled and like, this guy's the master forger. Uh, this guy's called, you know, the rhino. Uh, you know, it's like a league of gentlemen, like a lady killer style scenario. But nope, nope. It's a b- boring movie about these boring assholes and they're stupid. Like, otherwise, oh, I would take like a Goodfellas style thing like Lufthansa based where as long as Razzlecott ends up hanging in a fucking meat locker at the end (laughs) come on put in that Layla's theme Chris (laughs) one day day, you're eating sweet green with charbroiled chicken breast (laughs) the next you're having one of Panera's salad bowl creations (laughs) Uh. Tough life. (laughs) I'm going to have to live the rest of my life like a normie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As long as I can remember, I wanted to be based. Um, (laughs) 
Mike, <laughs> I have a um, this is a little bit sideways, but I have a NFT question. Um, hit me. I so I've noticed a lot of um celebrities like pushing NFTs. And I think mm. with some, it's like it's a l- legitimate interest where like yeah, they're dumb as shit. So it makes right, sense. right. Like some of my favorite artists in the world have nft profile pictures now little dirk future little baby like some of my favorite guys they yeah. all have it and it's like i don't even get mad at that because it's like oh like someone told them there's a lot of money in crypto and they're yes. like oh yeah no it's a good idea and hopefully they i hope they've made money on it but then you see people who are at a different level of it like reese witherspoon where they actually seem to have some oh no she's a it. total crypto bro yeah and <laughs> she's gonna that, end up on a seastead i bet within 10 yeah. years <laughs> Is that are they being paid by these concerns? Are they are they full true believers? Like, are, do they have some like are they non-disclosed ownership? That is what yeah. everyone I think assumes is that like when they say I just scored this sweet ape, that ape was given to them. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, like, hey, if you you literally got this free asset, if you can pump up the value, you can get just like a giant windfall. It's so easy to think that like getting I don't know who watches the tonight show anymore but like if you if you i, I mean i honestly don't know if they actually have viewership or not but like if they you're do. like do There's they people with room temperature so iqs normal <laughs> like yeah. guys in people hotels will be staring at a lava lamp yeah. <laughs> plenty of them all throughout <laughs> america without any regard for uh, any social class i think i think it's like the top thing for people who are afraid to get divorced right. <laughs> you, you watch with your wife where you both hate each other we failed to uh have sex for the 400th consecutive night <laughs> instead of thinking about that separately we'll uh we'll just silently watch uh fallon uh, have a fit talking to ariana grande or like playing foosball with her i guess that's the thing is that they literally just like that it's not a even a talk show anymore it's just like a sleepover uh. or something <laughs> no but but mike your point like it's like the the, the paris hilton appearance on found yes. where they were they, they they shared their they, apes. Sh- they swapped apes they That's swapped what? apes and like Ugh. it was so odd because like the audience was like laughing because you're juiced they like they knew that they like if you're sitting in that audience at like the mbc studios like you feel like it's incumbent upon you to react but it's clear when you watch <laughs> that clip it's like people like they don't really know what they're responding to right but they're they're going along with it like we've all been talking about it's just it's here and you know like you, you don't have to question it like we we all accept this now this is That's your ape yeah. we debuted it's really cool like the hat the shades and what but, how did you pick because because you can pick your 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 ape yes i was going through a lot of them and i was like i want something that like kind of reminds me of me but I, I this one it's it does i think we we made like another version of it where he takes the hat off and blonde hair comes out uh-huh. So. Yeah, because you can do it now, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Animated version. We're part of the same. We're part of the same oh, community. We're yes. both apes. I love it. Uh, here, my this is my this ape. Is yours. And even like her affect in that whole thing, I was like, you don't know how to react to it. Like, I guess she just generally has like a a monotone affect in general. But like, you're just sort of like, is this a joke? Is this real? What I found out was exactly what Felix was saying. Where so William Morris Endeavor who represents all of these celebrities in, you know, in Hollywood and all this stuff, they are huge. They also have a very large influencer arm and are getting into this sort of crypto influencer market. So there's absolutely agents going around town, talking to their celebrity um, clients who don't know fuck all about crypto saying, this is the thing you need to do. Yes. You're going to have to like 
like if oh Al Borland, you got to make yourself an <laughs> NFT because <laughs> that is where the money's coming from. And then you see Richard. Mike, Carn- would you believe? Would you believe that people have accused me of stealing Al Borland uh, <laughs> Al Borland NFTs in my profile picture? But no, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then he th- thankfully he backed out of it because everyone every home improvement head on his feed was like go fuck yourself no hell please <laughs> i gotta say though if i was borland i'd be like uh fuck you people i don't owe you anything <laughs> right well and yeah, that's, I, that's I, the line i i did see something very interesting in the music space um because baby and dirk were pretty early on like getting it getting into nfts like mm. a few months before people and to his credit baby is always talking about uh you know putting his money away i don't think this is the safest thing but hopefully he didn't put a seven figure amount in i would be very sad if he went broke from this maybe check out the uh, bond market first yeah i was i wanted i wanted to be like let me get in contact with little dirk and tell him about muni bonds but uh uh, one guy, there's this guy, and I thought this this dovetailed really interestingly with like crypto online culture. There's this guy, I don't know if everyone knows him, but he was pretty popular, Tory Lanes, and he was oh, accused yeah. of shooting Megan the Stallion in the foot. And it it caused a huge, huge setback in his career. A lot of people stopped collaborating with him. You Megan the Stallion when she was riding very high. It, it was hmm. a bad look to collaborate with him. Like the, the baby caught heat for that. And he, things were generally like looking rough, but he had a pretty active fan base and he did something pretty immoral, but I think it's kind of clever, which is he sold his album as an NFT. So you could buy NFTs of the album. And then hmm. he would do these things. He would do something where like he would buy or allegedly, this is what people think is going on. I'm not accusing him of this. He would buy one of the albums, the NFT albums, and then sell it for like double the price. He'd be like, look, I'm already making people money off this. We're all going to get rich together. And it's like, holy shit, that's (laughs) genius to do. Dude, they're all doing it on OpenSea is the name of this trading like NFT listing platform that they all sort of put them on. It's like eBay for NFTs, basically. And someone did a study of the transactions on OpenSea uh, and like some, I'm not going to say the exact number, but some X percentile of all transactions on OpenSea are made by the top, let's say 500 accounts or something. And it's all just sort of like people trading back and forth and seeing the the value go up. It's very, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors behind a lot of this stuff. But, but uh, sorry to go back to the original question about the celebrities. Do you think this is like, it's like a split like that where like, Probably thirty percent are really into it, and seventy percent are like getting I, getting the thing. I'm very. I think there are people who, and here's where I may differ from some people. I think there are interesting philosophical questions around, let's say, musicians and music rights, right? Um, or artists who have been fucked over by the internet in many different ways. Who want to figure out ways to like? Because I I sympathize with uh, with a lot of artists who are just like, oh shit, Redbubble made my fucking painting into a t shirt, and now I'm I can't pay my rent, right? Like, there's yeah. like something there. Perhaps I, is this the form that it should take? I have no idea, but like I do think there are people who might have been. Um, or, you know, musicians who feel like they're getting screwed over by Spotify right now or whatever, you know, like, are there ways for me to sell what I do, my creative pursuit in a way that is not um, what the Internet essentially destroyed a lot of how it worked, you know? And and I think that's 
I, I find that more compelling than some of the other sort of ways of looking at this. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I think that's probably a minority of people compared to all of the, the sort of really, I mean, there's a reason you're getting like press releases about the latest NFT or that I'm getting them at least that you guys probably don't have that fucking problem, but like the, about the latest NFT from X celebrity, because they know this is a super hot market right now. So I would imagine that's a much greater sort of proportion of folks. Yeah. I've noticed that it's a big thing with people who either kind of fell off or like got canceled. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like people who did something awful, <laughs> they're still out there. It's a, it's a great thing for them. <laughs> that's actually kind of fascinating. Instead of going to like comic cons and signing your like, I was the guy from Predator who got his arm shot off uh, photo. Oh, like, Weathers. Carl, I mean, weather, come on. Weathers, I, no, I, weathers, no, is, weathers is doing okay. All right. You know, that's like, probably weather. bad. Uh, maybe maybe I, <laughs> that's a bad example. But like you, you see these like actors who are like, this was my heyday or whatever. And mm-hmm. now I have to sort of trade in like. Yeah, I was I was the seventh lead on Battlestar Galactica. Thank you. That's like much that. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like instead, like no, maybe I'll just sell my likeness in a different way. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's a second second line. But uh, I want to return to this idea of like that there. It's not just like there. There are examples of people just not blindly accepting this like shitty new reality that we're all being sort of uh, groomed into ever so slowly. Yeah, you bring up the example of the the Al Borland heads who were like, "Oh no, don't do it, please." It's <laughs> of which I am the, one. <laughs> it's sullying the purity of home improvement, but. Uh, you wrote you wrote an interesting article about like the the biggest and most effective like sort of uh, you know individual fan base pushback against like the astonishing speed and proliferation of NFTs into like penetrating every aspect of like what we take for granted of how we like interact with the culture has been gamers. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about how, like, how, like, what, what, what they're angry about, and like how that they, how they have um, begun to sort of like stand up, or just say like, hey, this is bullshit, this sucks, we don't want this in our video games. Totally. No, I, I think it was so. When I, it was funny because this actually started with a bad tweet of my own that uh, I got schooled by uh, Lizard Rumsfeld, I think Twitter user Lizard Rumsfeld, um, who really ended up educating me on what the gaming community feels like about NFTs because I'm out in, I mean, I'm based in Oakland out in Silicon Valley. I'm talking to these people who are all the time are like, NFTs are the future. We're leaving fucking Facebook to go do this. We're doing startups, blah, 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 blah. So I hear a very specific version of the world a lot of the time. And, um, gamers are fucking pissed off. All of the big gaming companies want to incorporate NFTs into their next generation of their games. So there was this, um, uh, Russian, developer uh that was making this game called stalker a sequel to this game called stalker um and they wanted to incorporate like you could you could make an nft of yourself in the the game in the future and um you know that would make you sort of appear in the game but it wasn't really they didn't really have a good answer as to why you would want to do that other than we want to raise money for our project so this is why we're doing it and i think Gamers in general have just like widely rejected any version of NFTs in games because they feel like uh, they feel like it's quote unquote the loot box issue all over again. Mm-hmm. If you go back to like fucking pay to play games where you have to like open a special box. I never played Fortnite, but I play uh, COD or like Call of Duty, like a bunch of different things like that. And and versions of like gaming where instead of making it pay sixty bucks up front. 
you're free. It's free, but they're going to nickel and dime you on all of these future loot boxes that you have to open up. And maybe you get a cooler gun or a stronger gun or something like that. And it's sort of like this, this, this paid, like it, 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 it like dilutes the, the, the actual purity of competition in gaming, because like if you pay more, like you'll be more likely to win rather than just like putting in the hours, grinding away or whatever. Yes. But like, no, it's interesting that you say like out in San Francisco, like everyone you talk to is so immersed in this world that like they experience NFTs of like they've drunk the Kool-Aid of like this is a revolutionary utopian new horizon for human endeavor or whatever but like for gamers they've already experienced this bit by bit and like when they encounter it they immediately experience it exactly for what it is like just a blatant ripoff attempt to just just shake more money out of your pockets and like this goes back to this interesting thing that we were talking about earlier of this like this new model of capitalism like it used to be like if you charge someone $70 for a video game like that's expensive but it's theirs and you can play the game for like infinity or you can play it as much as you want you don't have to keep paying but now with this nft model there's like this like you buy the game but that's not good enough they realize this like subscription model if you can keep you have to keep paying them like two three four dollars every month or every day to keep playing the game and to progress at the game it's a way of like like the metaverse of like charging rent on digital space that's and and it's never enough this is this is VC venture capitalists always love subscription businesses because it's recurring continuous revenue that can be increased over time. If you have Netflix like I do, I used to pay seven bucks, now I pay fifteen bucks, and I think there's another coming. Or if you have Amazon Amazon Prime, that's going up another twenty bucks in a in a couple of months or whatever, you know. And so they they, they take this idea of ownership and what ownership once meant is now changing into a different kind of ownership. But now instead of like owning the game once and just sort of having it updated in the future, no, it's continuously paying over and over for different things, including uh, the, sadly, the thing I paid for, which was a John McClane avatar in <laughs> Call of Duty <laughs> a few months okay. ago. Well, I mean, okay. Which, I mean, there are, there, there are certain things that I think are worth it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's not all bad. It's, it's not all trash. <laughs> If you can be John McClane in Call of Duty, I'd pay for that. Thank you. But, yeah, um, I, I think that the gamer thing is interesting because the closest, the thing that sounds closest to like what NFT heads want them to be, like in their best of worlds, their best possible description, is skins in Counter-Strike yes. uh, specifically. Because there are, it's one of the only games where skins have a secondary resale market. And yep. similar to a lot of crypto, it's been a great vehicle for money laundering. Uh, people have wallets of skins. Uh, the most valuable ones are usually people in China or the United Arab Emirates. Uh, people have wallets valued at you know five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. And Jesus. when a skin is made in Counter Strike, it's not like in Call of Duty or in Fortnite, where it's just like everyone gets the same copy. In Counter-Strike, all skins have a float value, and float is basically the quality. The lower, the better, and they all look like a little bit different and can have different randomized patterns, and some patterns get become more valuable. And it is it all sounds like exactly like NFTs, more or less, especially with the secondary market and the money laundering. But the thing is, you get to take it out in the game and like flip it around and people see it and they're like, cool knife. Um, like the, the guy in our game yesterday who named his knife, he, they, uh, you know, it's, I love, I, it killed me. Great teammate, by the way, if he's low chance, he's listening. Uh, thank you. What a great game we had on nuke. But, uh, 
you know, it's it's stupid, and there are skins that cost like sixty thousand dollars that should not cost that much. Like Jesus. these things should cost like ten percent of what they do. But there is a use for them in this thing. Whereas with everything else that we've seen, there's no real use. You know, I think that the see, and I think that that you're really touching on. These are secondary markets that have popped up around these games that have not been captured by the studio, right? They all sort of exist outside. I think this is a way for the studio to recapture this lost value of theirs that they see as like way more revenue that they're leaving on the table. And then they spin it as you guys are owning it too. You take your digital uh, Dragon Ball Z shirt to every different realm that you want to and and you own it, blah, blah, blah. But they are actually sort of reaping that back in, which is really a good way of looking at it, I think. Just when you compare it to the secondary markets that exist right now, I totally agree. Yeah, well, and and Valve, uh, for the Counter-Strike skin market, they get, you know, more, you you know, you put money into your Valve wallet, sure. they take a percentage, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like, they could be way more prickish about it to yep. their credit. You know, I, I do... I do have to say that, like, out of all the big companies like this, I kind of like Valve the most yep. because they are they're more true to that old, you know, Web One ethos of like, hey, like, just do whatever the fuck within reason. We're not going to tell you too much to do. We're not going to take too much of control of the skins market. They did sort of clamp down on secondary websites mm. that were set up around sk- uh, skins, but I think that's a good thing because these were essentially casinos for children. Yeah, and uh, I they they made it so it's it was harder to do that. They, they add these things called trade holds, but in general, I think yeah, they're not they're not getting as big of a slice as they maybe could be. I just uh, I, I two final examples here about like like what are the what are the real world like practical implications of this ideology and like uh, the first one comes like speaks to this idea of like that what we once considered like owning something is is changing rapidly mm. and that is the example um I know you saw this Mike but like the truly insane and terrifying story about the medical technology neural implant company Second Sight which is a like it's a it's a it's a technology that is like a neural implant that allows people who are blind to achieve some some like rudimentary eyesight that allows them to like envision so that they can like interact and walk around the world the story begins with a woman who is on the New York City subway when her neural her implant crapped out left leaving her blind but the point is that this company went bankrupt and all of the people that have these like bionic eyesight are now unable to get their devices services, the software updated, and are essentially now their eyes are no longer their own. And it's their, their eyesight is dependent on a company that's gone out of business. And it's like, you know, similar to like the like Boeing when they crashed that plane into the fucking ocean because they didn't update the software. This is now like a real like in your own brain, in your own mind. If you're not like if your subscription isn't up to date or the company that gave you eyesight just shits the bed, then guess what? You're blind again. Imagine if you had a mini disc player responsible for like you know, a section of your knowledge or whatever. And then that format is no longer in use anymore. I think that yeah. was, that was what stuck out to me in that whole thing. It's just fucked. Do they, um, is anyone else making this? <laughs> no, I think <laughs> not. This no. one. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, no, even if they were, it wouldn't be compatible. Yeah, it wouldn't be compatible. You're going to need an adapter. (laughs) Yeah, you need a dongle. (laughs) 
God, you have to go into Geek Squad to see again. That is, <laughs> God damn, I wish I didn't hear about this. <laughs> no, you this can't even awful. go to Geek Squad to see no, it. Yeah, it's like you're, they you're, can't you're help you. There, there, there is nobody, no, there is no nobody who will fix your eyes. Like, you you had, update the, your eye like software. Tesla that yeah. just stops in the middle of a highway. <laughs> yeah. All the fucking computers fucking just go God. down and the doors won't open. <laughs> we should just, I mean, if you're one of those people and you're so inclined to do this, um, the government should just give you heroin <laughs> like that because like if you lost your sight, that's one of the worst things that could happen to you. You get it back briefly. And then the company's like, Oh, so oh, we like, um, <laughs> so the thing is, um, we, do we put all of our, we put all of our money in, into uh, municipal bonds for a town that exploded. <laughs> We're actually the only people to ever lose money on muni bonds. So sorry, you're blind again. It's like, yeah, what, what the fuck do you do in that case? If I was one of those people, I'd be like, yeah, I would call my senator and be like, can I have heroin? <laughs> this is another example where uh, yesterday's science fiction is today's how-to manual. Like somebody read, somebody read Philip K. Dick's Overdrawn at the Memory Bank and was like, a memory bank. Let's make that literal. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can charge we'll, interest on your fucking memories. <laughs> we also, you know, we do live Overdraft in Philip fees. K. It's great. <laughs> Would you like to continue this sexual fantasy? Please deposit for for crypt for Ethereum into your wallet. Yeah, we live in Philip K. Dick world. We even have a golden man in Jack Harlow. Yep, <laughs> he's the golden man. He's the animal. I gotta charisma. say, I remember I first saw him like a year ago on SNL, having never heard of him. Of course, that's how it is now with the SNL guests. The musical guests, I never know who the fuck they are, which yeah. is annoying. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you're old. Uh, but I just watched him and he just like came out in like a sweat, a sweatshirt and like some some uh, gold. And he just starts rapping. And I was just like, did he win a contest? <laughs> like, does he suffer from entitolitis from Mr. Show? And like, this is his last wish. <laughs> I, and yet he's huge. <laughs> I think he's very charismatic. I think he's very fun. Golden man right there. Just yeah. pure vessel of good vibes. If you look at his comments, like anywhere, like on Twitter, Instagram or whatever, it's like he'll be saying the I'm going to hold on. I'm sorry. I have to I have to find uh, the actress tweet. I love actresses. I love how your mind works, girl. <laughs> just like shit like that. And like just the dumbest shit you've ever seen. Because yeah, he's just like he's living his dream life. I would the, co the comments are all like, yeah. The comments are all like the, the hottest women ever being like, please impregnate me. <laughs> just like the golden man. They got the golden man to look at a woman long enough and she was like, I need him. <laughs> That's Jack um, Carlo. He's just the, like uh, speaking of Philip K. Dick, I know I've used this example in the show before, but in, in, in my favorite of his novels, Ubik, um, it, it opens and like it, in the reality of the novel, like in the main character's apartment, everything from his like coffee maker to the doorknob he uses to leave his apartment is coin operated. And it's this very like antiquated technology, but it like it accurately predicts the future where we're all pay like re per perpetually renting the privilege to use a toaster that we bought. And oh, we probably will use real in the visual digital world coins. Yeah. Like, well, there's going to have to be some uh, like symbolic ritual of aff affirmation of like transferring the currency. And the best way to do that is just have you reach into your meta wallet and pull out some actual currency or some big doubloons and put them into a fucking uh, coin-operated machine. And then 
that'll be how we symbolize our our new world that we're all loving and living in. Well, yeah, no, that's I loved always when Bitcoin was first popping up. These guys would always bitch about fiat, and it is you know you can you can be like, well, it's not backed by anything except for this country and its military and its economy, <laughs> all its goods and services. But I mean, really, all this currency is the same thing, except it's backed by like dopeness. Yeah, just <laughs> and like what the yeah next thing will be. It's just, but, but yeah, they'll they'll they've reinvented fiat, and yeah, there will just like fiat, there will be like a physical token which redeems the amount of fiat that you own. The federal the Federal Reserve will just be like the dopeness arbiters. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones who create value. By Jack Harlow being uh, at the like, top like of who, it. who is who is yeah. the next Jack Harlow? Put the oh man, I can't, I can't, I can't buy a house. Jack Harlow said it's fuck times right now. <laughs> They're going to put the Winklevoss twins in the Minority Report precog baths, and that'll be the Federal Reserve. No, that'll be how interest rates are set. They're just like behind their eyelids. And then fucking uh, Tom Cruise shows up and pulls it up on the big screen. Oh, rates are going down. All right. And, and my, my final example, I mean, we've been talking about apes on today's show, but like this to me is the most visceral manifestation of like what the, what, what this exciting new reality truly looks and feels like. Sorry to bring it down with this final example, but um, Elon Musk has been torturing monkeys to death so that he can oh, one day God, put microchips man. in our brains. Truly, so fuck, truly so evil. <laughs> Um, it says here that these uh, that these that these monkeys uh, had their brains mutilated in shoddy experiments and were left to suffer and die. Jeez. And look, it's just like you know, animal testing. Like uh, I'm not like a like a total like you know. I mean, like unfortunately, like advances in medicine like you know uh, re- require to a certain extent like you know things like you know killing a chimpanzee. It's 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 terrible. But like if you were undertaking that act, it should be done for like some, the betterment of like. Yeah, human life on the planet. This is so fucking evil. Any kind of medical experimentation, as Will said, is at least a morally gray zone where you have to be really thoughtful about what what the costs of this advancement and what of 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 this research are. But if you are murdering fucking monkeys so that you can just kick the can down the road on your fucking scam company for another three fiscal quarters, that's just pure evil. Yeah, and, and this is, is for this is for Elon I mean, Musk's company it, called Neuralink, which is like the idea is that like yeah, like this will be direct, like computer brain interface. Which if, and I of mean, course like, I don't think uh, Musk has any belief that that's going to work. No, it's like yeah, it's going to fry these people's neurons. That's fine. <laughs> what it will do though is buy me time with the money it gives me to devise something that will work, and it only has to work for me. <laughs> yeah, no. the rest of you people can fuck off. But like the actual, this line of fucking uh, uh, research is just for this fake product that probably never even be made, but just has to be in the works to keep that dream of a techno future where we escape the actual ecological catastrophe we're in the middle of alive. If you used a Neuralink and it worked about as well as a Tesla, you would try to remember your son's first words and like smoke would shoot out of your ears. <laughs> like it, it, it's or even like, better, like, like, it's, like- a, it's a disturbing technology and it presents its own like ethical implications over because it could be amazing. You know, it could allow people who are paralyzed to walk again or it could be like horrifying. 
but this is really the last guy that I would trust. <laughs> yes. to pose yes. this His question. fucking cars explode. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like you're, 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 you're the true example. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, yeah, my son's first word. Like steam starts shooting out your ears, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> More realistically, it will be like, hey, like you'll get on your social media and be like, hey, I've had some problems with my at Neuralink implant, and you sort of bitch and complain, and then it's just like, yeah, it when you try to remember um the the first night you met your wife or spouse or something it just blocks you it just cuts <laughs> yeah, you off yeah. from your memory like it's, they, yeah. they yank access to your like uh you know uh, mo- uh nervous system away from you yeah it is it is, like you know you present this technology and you go i'm not sure if this should exist or not this is interesting where should it go okay i hear you what if the person who it should have the least power over life and death in the world had it. But he's epic though. Mm. <laughs> have yeah. you considered that he's based? The based shit poster blew up my neural cortex. Amazing. <laughs> based shit poster fried my grandma's frontal lobe. I tried to think of a jerk off fantasy in the shower and my legs stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But like, just like Jesus Christ. Like, okay, gonna, but, it, like even if this particular like line of it actually comes to market in some way or it, it's stopped after a number of people yet they just they, they their brains melt uh even if it doesn't actually happen this vaporware is has to keep existing in the marketplace somebody's going to keep offering this at the end of the stick keep playing along keep uh keep trading that crypto and one day you'll have a Neuralink and you'll get to live in black mirror but fun <laughs> i would like, no, no, all that stuff yeah, I know how you're saying that even if it worked, even if you got the dream of it, it would still be a nightmare. But uh, actually, uh, I think I would make it cool. <laughs> right. I will say um, if Valve or FromSoft made it, I would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> or Costco. If Costco made one, too. If Costco made one. Those are the three best companies in the world. Golden ring for it. your brain. <laughs> yeah. No. We, imagine, okay, the FromSoft Jesus. makes a Neuralink and you like live it's not like you go into the metaverse and you do your shitty life it's like you do your regular shitty life but you are interpreting it as dark souls like you're you're you you doing widgets at work and like filling out reports and shit it's this you're like you're fast rolling and, and killing gwen <laughs> that'd be pretty sick i mean i guess that's pretty like life is pretty shitty and you do die sort of over and over, at least <laughs> yeah. metaphorically. So the contracts I think that works. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> yeah, your wife, if your wife dumps you over text, that's like getting cursed in dark souls one. <laughs> and you have to, and the act of like the, the act of like going on Tinder and like finding a like new, that's like getting, getting the stone you need to, not be cursed from the guy in the hood uh, near where the bell gargoyles are. Graduating college is getting the the next samurai sword in Sekiro, basically. Yeah, yeah life is like Sekiro. I think more than anything. I think we sorry. could. Uh, I think we, 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 I'm yes, sorry life, for that. Life, life is like that's really my fault. And I think I think we can. Uh, I think we can leave it there for today. I just think you know, whenever you think of uh, a bored ape, think of a real ape having their brain butchered by some hack doctor so Elon Musk's stock valuation can continue to rise. <laughs> Think of an actual ape chewing its fingers off in some squalid cage so that like Elon Musk can uh yeah 
um, uh, yeah, like uh, further inflate the value of his like speculative technologies. <laughs> but where we're going, we won't need real apes. <laughs> oh, don't man. be afraid to let the real apes die. <laughs> the ape thing upsets me so fucking. Much. It's really bad. It's, it's monstrous. Like really bad. We're it's like we're Earth. literally making us. We're telling everybody once again. We're not selling you on this. We're telling you all those uh, adorable creatures that you love to be surrounded by. Don't worry, they're in the metaverse waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Playing, oh my god, go the band the together. <laughs> right? Get, Elon Musk is gonna kill all the gibbons for like a shitty Neuralink, and then you're gonna get into Meta, and you'll see a gibbon again after they've been extinct for thirty years, and you'll go over to it and like stroke its back. And he'll just open up his mouth and start doing like the frog baby friends talk. <laughs> and you will you'll try to kill yourself, but you just get the water gun emoji. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well thank you, Mike Isaac, and thank you listeners for participating in what was um, by now I think thoroughly the most depressing episode of this show we've ever done. Yeah. But, oh, I'm uh, honored. I'm honored. Um, uh, Mike, uh, thank you so much for uh, you, spending Mike. some time with us. Uh, if people would like to, if people would like more Mike Isaac in their in their life or or in their in their in their in their memory wallet, uh, where where should they go? <laughs> oh God. Oh man. Uh, well, we have this show coming out in uh, a couple weeks uh, based on Super Pumped. It's called Super Pumped. Uh, it's going to be on Showtime, February twenty. Got my boy Kyle Chandler up in the mix. Your boy Kyle Chandler, JGL, yes, Uma Thurman. Uh, we just released today that Quentin Tarantino is going to be the narrator. I saw that. Ooh, oh, which shit. is like, fuck. I mean, I I try to play it cool, but I have a Pulp Fiction poster in my home and my in my childhood home, so it's a big deal for me. That's Same. Awesome. <laughs> That's um... so super stoked. I think it'll. And then uh, what am I doing? Oh, and then I'm working on more Facebook stuff and um, stuff like that, but just watch the show, I guess. And thank you for having me. This is super fun. If you ever need another gamer nerd, I'm happy to, to give you tips or, or just talk to Felix like offline. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, you know how sad I am that I'm going to be, it's on the second day of tour is when Elden Ring comes out. (laughs) You you need to bring a PS five on tour with you. I have considered it. <laughs> I've very much considered it. Um, maybe I will. God, it's sad though. Um, yeah, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks a lot. Congratulations on Super Pumped and that Tarantino thing is sick. But I'm Thanks, very man. excited, very excited to navigate the HBO app once <laughs> right. again. Showtime app, but I oh, <laughs> uh, you can try to get it there. But <laughs> I'm gonna make you um, subscribe. And then uh, no, before we go, uh, before we go today, I think we have uh, just one little last bit of business to take care of. Uh, oh, sure. Chris, would you like to announce um, it, uh, our uh, our sort of a uh, sort of a pseudo NFT giveaway? <laughs> but they're like real. They're they're yeah. they're actually it's actually called tickets to one of our live shows. Yeah, it's kind they of like an NFT, world. but for the physical world, and you get to actually do an experience. <laughs> yes. So what? I don't get it. Yes. This is uh, <laughs> this is related to uh, our two live shows in Austin. This is for our uh, Patreon show uh, with South by Southwest uh, on August or on August, on March 13th, Sunday, March 13th. Uh, That'll be at Cheer Up Charlie's in the middle of the day. We have 50 free tickets that we can give away to this uh, show. And so uh, we are going to do this in a sweepstakes model, radio call-in, first 50 callers get it. There will be details for how you can enter to get a free ticket to the Austin Patreon show 
on Sunday, March 13th. In a blog post I will put up on our Patreon at 10 a.m. Central Time this Saturday. Again, this will be first come, first serve. There will be instructions on how to enter in that blog post, 10 a.m. set this Saturday. Uh, that'll be February 19th, 10 a.m. Central Time. I will publish it. Uh, look out there on Patreon, instructions on how to enter. Follow those instructions. You will enter. For f- first 50 submissions, uh, get in. Uh, that's my announcement. Set a reminder on your phone, Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and otherwise, you know, go to trapotraphouse.com slash live. Uh, tickets are almost sold out for our first leg, uh, but tickets still available for our shows in Dallas, Houston, and New Orleans, Chapo Trap House. No sugar. Dot com slash live. <laughs> Once again, cheers, everybody. Thanks, Mike Isaac. Thank you, Bye-bye. Mike. Thanks, guys. Bye. Spirit of a revolutionary, power of a dictator. Love to be contrary, but I'm fly like a gator. I've got pilot blood. I'm a real risk taker. Pirate riding the flood. Badass money maker. Grandmother crocodile. Weirder than an X-file. Brief fire. Silver. So sexy when I slither. Sparkle on my little finger. Hell of a Fucking